Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose-driven companies, people, and organizations. I'm your host, Aaron Quitkin. If any consumer product has been a hot commodity in 2020, the year that we'd all like to forget as soon as possible, it is surely toilet paper. Yep, I said it, toilet paper. That's what we're going to talk about today. And yet generally, it doesn't immediately come across as an area ripe for disruption or innovation. Many established toilet paper brands are the products of conglomerate companies with significant market share. But today's guest is going to change that. His name is Darren Oyekin, and he has broken through the state of affairs. I'm trying to avoid as many dad jokes as humanly possible with his eco-friendly brand called Real. That's R-E-E-L. You can Google it. It'll come right up if you type in Real Toilet Paper, which offers paper made from bamboo. That's right, bamboo which grows fast and uses 30% less water than hardwood trees. He also utilizes a portion of the proceeds to support a program called SOIL, S-O-I-L, a sanitation research and development nonprofit in Haiti. Through his work with SOIL, Real aims to address the global hygiene, health, and dignity issue of the 2.4 billion people around the world lacking access to a toilet. So Darren, welcome to Brand on Purpose. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. And it's an interesting topic and one that actually has not been talked about at all in this podcast, but very oddly and sadly, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, obviously there's a run on all sorts of paper goods, including toilet paper. And there's all sorts of like, from therapists to economists trying to figure out why are people making a run for toilet paper? But your organization has an aperture that's much wider a worldview, because it's not just about the run on toilet paper, but it's also about the need and also marginalized communities, as well as there's a huge environmental angle to this. So your background, correct me if I'm wrong, so you grew up in Lagos, Nigeria. You are both CMO as well as co-founder of Real. You have a background in marketing, in digital marketing. You're a strategist. You're like this Renaissance man. (laughs) That's very kind of you. (laughs) And I guess the listeners can decide at the end of the podcast, is Darren really a Renaissance man? I'm going to say yes. So what? You woke up one morning, you're like, I have an idea. Actually, there's a better way to create a toilet paper that it's less taxing on the environment. And I can also make it a benefit type corporation where we can use proceeds to help the world and others. So what happened? How did you come up with this idea? So the genesis of it, as much as I would love to take credit for the creativity and the concept of real, my business partner, Livio Bisterzo, and his wife actually came up. She came up with the name. He came up with the concept and was ideating it. We were connected by a mutual friend, Steve Weiss, who kind of saw, noticed we had complementary skill sets and just wanted to put us in front of each other. So we had a really impactful breakfast just the mid and grid kind of. Livia told me some of the concepts he was playing around with. And when he mentioned what he was doing around real, it was kind of like, chick, 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 like the bells went off. I mean, being from a third world country and really kind of seeing the effect of lack of access to proper sanitation, the effect that can have on the outcomes of people's lives. It was a mission that was near and dear to my heart. I kind of signed up immediately and Livia and I kind of worked on refining the concept and we're finally able to kind of bring it to life 
in March of last year. So March of 2019 was when we actually launched our website. The brand ethos was always around sustainability and give back. We wanted to truly build a brand with a purpose, a brand with a heart. So we wanted to introduce products that were good for the consumer, good for the environment, as well as taking a portion of our profit dollars and using it to drive change. And like you so eloquently put it, we currently work with Soil. It's an organization in Haiti that is out there doing research and building clean toilets and providing access to clean toilets to to the disadvantaged people in that country. So really proud of what we've done so far. I mean, we only just started, but I think we've made a lot of progress and excited to have come this far along. And I know you're not a technical guy, but maybe you can just explain how you came up or somebody came up with the idea of bamboo. Like, I mean, I live in the Northeast. I see bamboo everywhere and it grows really, really freaking fast and it regrows fast. And I'm not so sure it's used for anything else other than, well, it's probably used for a lot of things. I think furniture and other things, but how did you come up with the idea? Oh, I have an idea actually. Let's just make toilet paper out of bamboo instead of cutting down hardwood trees. We wanted to build something that was more sustainable. We knew the traditional kind of conventional toilet paper is made from pulp virgin trees. So it's old growth trees that are cut down. And that's essentially what's used to make paper. And trees take a very, very long time to grow back. So we looked at different options for alternative fibers we could use in place of tree pulp to make paper. And bamboo is a resource that's very plentiful. I mean, outside of the US and in Asia, it's something that's used almost exclusively for paper products. But we knew in like Western societies and the US specifically, it wasn't people were not really, I mean, there had been other companies that had played around with it, but it wasn't as mainstream as regular toilet paper. So that's what we wanted to change. We partnered with some manufacturing partners in China, not because we wanted to necessarily be out there, but that was the only place we could source FSC certified bamboo. They have dedicated forests that only grow bamboo plants for commercial use. And that's the only region in the world where there's commercial paper making processes from bamboo as a fiber. That's where we started. Eventually, I mean, we're not a bamboo paper company, we're a sustainability focused company. So bamboo is what we started with, but we will be looking at other alternatives to just tree-based. I mean, we kind of pride ourselves on being a tree-free paper company. So we want to help save the trees. Right now, our hero product is made from bamboo as the alternative fiber, but we'll be investigating and kind of looking at other options as well as the company evolves. So here's my most important question, because I know everyone's thinking it. How does it feel in your bum compared to like (laughs) everyday average toilet paper I'm buying from Costco? Well, I mean, if most of our customers are right, then it feels almost identical to Charmin. And to us, that's a winner because when people, I think... The visual most people have or or the thought they have when they think of bamboo is that it's going to be rough on your bum. But bamboo is actually a very interesting fiber in that it's both soft and strong, which are qualities you want in a toilet paper. You want it to be soft enough, like you said, so it doesn't feel rough on your bum. But you also want it to be strong so it doesn't fall apart while you're using it. Or you're not having to use a lot of sheets to get the job done. So we think 
our paper product and our customers would agree as well is a good balance of softness and strength. And bamboo, correct me if I'm wrong, so it can be harvested once a year, doesn't need to be replanted. Correct. It grows like three feet in 24 hours. Yeah, it's amazing. I wish I grew. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't even think I've hit three feet in 50 years. <laughs> and it uses 30% less water than hardwood trees. So how come Kimberly Clark and all these other large companies that manufacture toilet paper, how come we're just realizing this now in the year 2020? How come everyone isn't using this? I mean, eventually, I think consumers are demanding it. And a lot of those companies, obviously, they're noticing that that's kind of where consumer sentiments are. It's just the retooling. It's a big capital expense to build a paper mill that is able to convert one type of fiber into pulp that's then used to make paper. We're talking billions of dollars. And I mean, most people still buy tree-based paper. So there is no big financial or economic incentive yet for those big corporations to kind of change their practices outside of the bad press they get in constantly. So they are paying attention to it. But I mean, I think it's just the nature of big companies. They're slower to innovate. And that's where opportunities come for startups like Real to be able to come in identify gaps in the marketplace and really bring products to market in a relatively short period of time very quickly that it would take some of the bigger corporations decades to be able to get to market. You're kind of like a double or triple threat because you're creating a more sustainable product that has the equivalency of mainstream products. And at the same time, by doing that, you are also helping the environment but you have a bigger mission. I'm just going to read it because I'd like you to connect the dots for me. To change lives, we built Real to help eliminate the threat of illness posed by a lack of access to toilets while promoting the use of earth-friendly, sustainable paper products. We're on a mission to affect as many lives as possible by providing much-needed access to clean toilets for those without. How does Real then, how do you move from providing an innovative, earth-friendly, sustainable, equivalent-type toilet paper product and then how do you then connect that to providing access to more toilets for people worldwide? Is that through partnerships like Soil Correct. and other so, things? Partnerships like Soil. So aspirationally, we want to get to a point where we build a platform, a give back platform called Real Change, where we're able to work with Soil and other organizations like Soil to really drive localized change because it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. There are solutions that might work in Haiti that don't make sense in other parts of the world. So we want to drive real-life change that people will actually adopt and can be maintained and works in those particular conditions. Because, I mean, obviously, from a Westerner's point of view, it's like, why don't you just go out there and build regular toilets? But then there's the maintenance of it. There's no proper sewage disposal. Like, it creates other unintended consequences. You bring in disease. You met well, but now you've created all these other problems. And to kind of connect the dot about how, so lack of access to a clean toilet means people are usually defecating outside, especially women it's, and girls are particularly dangerous because if you're going out in some of this kind of less disadvantaged communities to use the bathroom at night, you're more susceptible to getting attacked, to getting raped. It's definitely a safety issue as well. I mean, obviously, clean toilet, like it's something we all take for granted, but it has a much bigger consequence than just not 
everyone should have the dignity of using a clean toilet, but we also want to prevent young girls getting raped, women getting raped, women getting assaulted, and all those other issues that are connected to lack of access to a clean toilet. We all live in our bubbles, at least in the United States in particular, but in Western countries. So I had the founder of a company called EcoSoap on. Oh, yeah, I know him. Samir, yeah. Yeah, Samir. He's amazing, right? He's an awesome guy, yeah. Yeah, and again, and he's a CNN hero, and he's basically taking leftover unused or gently used bars of soap from hotels and repurposing them because obviously hygiene is a very, very important, huge issue that leads to disease and fatalities around the world. And then I had the guys from BioLite on and they create this cooking stove that is like a smokeless type cooking stove because a lot of people, more than half the world cooks with fire. So we live in like our palaces and we don't realize that people don't have access to water, a safe soap. cooking facility, water, toilets, electricity, soap, yeah. electricity. Like <laughs> these are things, these are Maslow's, these are basic core needs to survival and dignity. Like you said, I think that's a very important word. And I applaud you for coming up with an innovative solution to a much larger global problem. And my guess is you probably have a much wider worldview than most. You grew up, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, in the intro, you grew up in Lagos. And as we're recording this, there's been an incredible amount, sadly, of civil unrest and protests and innocent people being murdered by the police in your home country. And I just wanted to ask you how you're doing, how your family's doing. And off air, we talked about it just a little bit. And unfortunately, our media outlets, especially right now, a couple of weeks running into this election, is hyper-focused on politics and other things, other adjacencies. And I have to get my news that's worldwide from the BBC and from NPR, because our media outlets don't cover these things. And it's a shame. It's really unfortunate. I mean, obviously, it's a big global event, unfortunately. Things that pertain to primarily Black countries tend to be secondary news, as sad as that sounds. It's just the reality. But thanks for asking about my family. I just spoke to, I have quite a bit of my family still back in Lagos. I just spoke to my younger brother a little while ago, spoke to my mom as well. Everyone's safe. They are in a lockdown right now, I think. There was a 24-hour curfew that was imposed that's probably been extended to 48 hours. Fortunately, no one I know was a casualty of the senseless police brutality of them gunning down pretty peaceful protesters. So, I mean, hopefully emotions are able to be calmed down. And I think it's time. I mean, we've been oppressed for a while as a people by our own people. So it started in the... U.S. just the sense of social justice. And I think it's a way that's catching fire across the world and it's Nigeria's turn. And I really hope there's some good changes that come about as a result of this without senseless loss of life. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Lagos is the largest city. It's the most populous city in Africa. Most populous city. And Nigeria is the biggest economy in Africa. When's the last time you were back? I haven't been back for a few years, but my family comes out pretty often. I mean, I'm still very, very much connected to my family's. My family's there. I'm actually trying to invest in some businesses out there as well. So, I mean, it's home at the end of the day. I care deeply about it. I'm proudly Nigerian. And it's been a very anxiety-filled, stress-filled past couple of days, for sure. I can only imagine. And 
When did you move here? Were you young? I came back for college in 96. I went to Santa Barbara City College and then San Jose State, where I got my engineering degree before moving to LA. So I've been back since I was relatively young, since I was 16. And this has been quite a year. Yeah, it has. <laughs> Not many people know that we can actually see each other and you're wearing a Mamba mentality sweatshirt. And, Ooh, Mamba. Yeah. And we've been through collectively and individually and some, unfortunately, more than others. We've been through a lot this year. And we're now in almost November as we're recording this. And this will probably, I don't know when this will get posted. Maybe November. I'm not sure. And everybody's like, oh, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. I think we can all agree on that. There's a few things. I guess there's a lot of divisiveness and hopefully that'll be resolved very soon. But one thing we can agree on is 2020 sucks and we can't wait to get rid of it. But we also know the reality is that we're going to go into 2021 with a little bit of a hangover from 2020. And it's going to take a couple of years to kind of work our way out of these things. And I think the pandemic has shined a light on a lot of things. I'll stay away from the political side of it, but let's just talk about it's shined a light on marginalized communities that we knew deep down were at risk, but then it becomes exacerbated in the midst of a pandemic. And it's not just about inequality or social justice, it's also about inequities. And that's really what Real is doing, because the difference between equality and equity is you need to over-index on communities that are marginalized to make sure they have the same resources that the communities are so privileged to have in basic needs, like we talked about earlier. So in general, how are you feeling about the impact Real is having now? And then what's next? So you can start with toilet paper, but I'm going to guess, just a hunch, that you're not going to be just focused on toilet paper and access that we've talked about. That's important. But what's next for Real? I'll speak about personally, and then I'll talk about Real as well. As a Black male, as an entrepreneur, someone in the Toilet paper space as someone in the direct-to-consumer home goods category. I'm kind of sitting at the intersection of a lot of different things that have happened this year. So it's definitely been a crazy, crazy, crazy roller coaster of emotions, just trying to really hold it all together. And fortunately, I definitely have a good group of friends, family support as well, and a great team that I work with. And we're all in the trenches together. But as far as real goes, we'll start out to be a change agent, like we're a brand with a purpose. I mean, we're not a nonprofit, but we do believe even for-profit companies can be change agents. We really want to do those three things that I mentioned initially, introduce products to the market that are good for people, meaning the product has to work. It can't be harmful to people in any way. We're not trying to shortchange comfort for sustainability. We think sustainability should work just as well as some of the other things you might be used to. We want to do things that are good for the environment. We want to be good stewards of the environment. We want to reduce our carbon footprint. We want to drive. We want to encourage others to do the same. So we're always looking at ways by which we can do that and continue that sustainability message. We intentionally package our products in corrugated boxes. We don't use plastic. Even our tape is made from paper. And we continue to look at other ways within our supply chain by which we can drive sustainability. Then ultimately, we want to drive real change by 
been in a position to be able to fund and encourage others to fund access to sanitation projects and really help those disadvantaged people around the world. Like you had mentioned, just, I mean, we're not trying to give them like a Mercedes or luxury items. We just want them to be able to have the basics so they have a fair shot at having a positive outcome in their lives. That's kind of what we're trying to do. I will continue to, I mean, from a product perspective, we started with our bamboo toilet paper. We just introduced our bamboo paper towels that sold out within two weeks. So that was pretty crazy. Congrats. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. And from a product innovation pipeline, we have so many. We have paper, sustainable paper goods companies. So there's so many other options or other product categories that we will be getting into, including tissues and napkins and things of that nature. So we have a pretty good and long innovations pipeline for sure for the next three to five years, basically. Are you planning on trying to get into retail or are you just going to be a digitally native brand? We started that way, but I mean, ultimately, I mean, we're very customer centric. We take customer feedback very seriously. If you ever purchase anything from us, one of the first emails you get is from me personally asking, thanking you for joining, asking why you bought, and then always trying to understand the emotions, like what drove people to real so we can emphasize that or follow up emails about feedback about the product. How can we improve? We're constantly asking questions. And one of the things that became obvious was it makes sense for us to be on Amazon because we are one product company and people generally like to buy the toilet paper along with other things. So it made sense for us to be on there. And people want to be able to see us in retail as well. And we will be in big box retail next year as well. We're very, very close to a big one. I can't announce it yet because it's not official. But yeah, it's going to be one of the... Oh, uh, come on. <laughs> the, the big... Does it start with a W or a T? <laughs> if I say that, you'll immediately know what it is. So I gonna, know, I know. That's fine. That. Yeah, but I'm really excited about that. I mean, I think we've come a long way in a very short period of time. I'm extremely grateful to the team, to how well the product has been received, to our amazing investors and everyone else who's kind of helped us along this journey so far. That was my other question. How are you funded? Is it institutional, angel, investors? It's mostly angel right now. We've only raised a seed round. We do plan on doing a price round sometime next year. Right now, we're just bullishly focused on getting the business fundamentals right. And we expect to have really extremely high growth next year. So. If, if, if the world still, if nothing crazier than 2020 happens. Hopefully. That's fine. As long as zombies can wipe their ass with real, it's totally fine. So, so this, this company is like a year and a half old now, right? It'll be two years in March. Or rather you joined, it'll be two years for you. So let's just say it's two years. Did you have, and what was your kind of, oh shit moment? This is supposed to be a joke actually. But <laughs> when you're putting the company together, like what was your biggest learning where you made a mistake and you had a course correct? I think very, I mean, when we started, we launched with a very generous offer, intro offer, where we were, I mean, we're trying to obviously acquire market share and make a big splash when we started. So we offered our box of 24 rolls for $5, <laughs> which we were able to acquire a customer, or if you can call them customers, we were able to acquire interest. But that promotion leaked online to there's pods of people online will take advantage of those type of offers 
So we just got swarmed by the spots of people. And then they're going to try and resell it in the pandemic for more money. I mean, it's just that they cancel. Like the whole premise of us doing that was that we'll be able to keep someone. And who knows, maybe they resold it. So we got taken advantage of very quickly. Well, now when you go on, I saw you can get 20% off as a new customer. Correct. Which is a lot more manageable. Yes. (laughs) Than giving you almost 75% off. Yes. That's funny. Now the lesson we learned is that even though your intentions are good and you want people to be able to try things out, it doesn't mean people are not going to try and take advantage of you. So we learned we have to protect ourselves in that sense. Well, look, building anything new and or changing a cultural norm or changing minds, it's hard. And if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So I have enormous respect for social entrepreneurs like yourself and so many others I've had on this show. And I can't wait to continue to track your progress. I am going to go online. I'm looking forward to my email from you, welcoming me to the real team. (laughs) And I appreciate and I thank you for making a real impact in the world because it doesn't take a big move. It takes a lot of little moves to make a big impact. It does. And also to show others how to do it. So it's just been great having you on. And I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I just want to encourage your listeners. I think most people genuinely want to make a difference. They want to drive sustainability. They care, but they get overwhelmed by the thought of how can I have any kind of impact? And it's collectively small changes. If you think about toilet paper, it's something a lot of people use without thinking about it, but that small change means trees are not being cut down. It means someone has access to a clean toilet. So something you kind of using almost automatically is actually driving change. So I just want to, there are a lot of other brands like Wheel out there. There's a whole movement of brands with purpose, and you've had quite a few of them on your podcast, and I encourage your listeners to whenever they can to be deliberate about the purchase, like intentional about their purchases and really try to support brands that are trying to make a difference in the world. You vote with your heart and your wallet. Exactly. I totally agree with that. And I appreciate you also mentioning that the product has to be good. And I'm sure your product's awesome. I think so. I mean, I like it. Over 90% of the people who've used, they like it. So I hope you like it too. And if you don't, I'm sure you let me know about I feel very confident that you like. Awesome. All right, Darren. Well, best to you and your partners and everybody needs to go to Real, R-E-E-L, online. And maybe in a big box retailer in Q1 next year, we still don't know who it is, but we can take guesses. <laughs> and on Amazon. And on Amazon, of course. <laughs> Congrats too on all your awesome and great success. Thank you so much. You it was great being on. Thank you so much. I love the podcast. I love what you're doing. And Thanks for amplifying stories of brands like real. Really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. You make it easy. All right. Take care. Awesome. Thank you. This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quitkin, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of companies, organizations, and people who make it their mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing production team, including Lindsay Hand, Dara Cawthron, Julie Strickland, and Nina Valdez. Learn more about our show and sponsorship opportunities at brandonpurpose.com. Learn more about our host at aaronquicken.com.